0: This is the second out of uh, three sermons in a series on sex, dating, and relationships. And we're going to start this one off just like the other with a reading from Song of Songs, chapter 4. The author says, How beautiful you are, my darling! Oh, how beautiful! Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone your lips are like a scarlet ribbon your mouth is lovely your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate your neck is like the tower of david built with courses of stone on it hang a thousand shields all of them shields of warriors your breasts are like two fawns like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee i will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense you are altogether beautiful my darling there is no flaw in you Come with me to Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, to the top of Sinir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's den and the mountain haunts of leopards. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than mine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. Your lips drip sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, with henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with every kind of incense tree, with myrrh and aloes and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Awake, north wind, and come, south wind, blow on my garden, that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Now, these words probably seem strange to us. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we're asking ourselves, why do they compare each other's bodies to gardens or animals or buildings? Uh, And yet we basically do the same thing with songs about cake uh, or using a peach emoji for a butt or something like that. Maybe these are already outdated. Uh, The phrase is used asking the wind to blow on her garden and for her husband to taste her fruits. Um, Well, I'll let your imagination do the rest with those euphemisms. We read these passages as Christians, and it's in our Bible because it's important in our counterformation against the worlds uh, and the religious self-righteous distortion of sex and our formation to enjoy and embrace sex the way God designed us to. It's for that formation. Now, last week, we built a foundation and expectations for what marriage and sex might look like as Christians. And I want to help us visualize that path as best I can. Uh, now, Now that we have sort of a clear picture of the end goal of marriage and sexual intimacy, now comes the tricky part, which is going from singleness to marriage with as little catastrophe or ruin as possible. And this is where wisdom comes in. Uh, wisdom uh, that that we're going to talk about is similar to how last week we talked about building a hedge around the Torah. So think of yourself like the captain of a ship trying to navigate through a sea of icebergs. You want to get to that destination safely. We've sort of, you know, identified what that is in marriage and sexual intimacy. So you don't want to steer too close to icebergs in that ship, uh, meaning, you know, building a hedge around the Torah to keep us safe from those things that will bring us ruin or destruction or just, general unhappiness or might lead us to sin. So here's the thing. uh, And this is important for this message and, and those going forward. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate well through the things you cannot change. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate well through the things that you cannot change. But the question might be, well, which way do I go? If I know the end goal, you know, what, what's the proper and the wisest path? And here's the thing. There are many ways to healthy singleness and a healthy marriage. And there are also many ways to run your life aground or sink it by running into sin, danger, and all the things that could lead to ruin. So you need wisdom on how to navigate around the things that you can't change. And I wish we could change all the bad things about the world that cause ruin, ruin in our lives or injustice and all those things, but sometimes um, it's better or at least more important to learn to navigate around the things that you can't change. That is what wisdom is for. And I want to be very clear that not everything I say or offer is uh, the Word of God here. We've read from the Word of God. We will read some more and let it speak for itself. Um, But here's the thing. I I say that because I don't want us to think that you must follow everything I say to the letter or else you're not a real Christian. Uh, And sometimes, you know, some Christians, some pastors can give that off. Uh, But we're going to read from God's Word. Let it speak for itself. And I'm going to interpret it as best I can uh, how the icebergs looked for the Corinthian church, how they navigated through it, how they've shifted through or how those things have shifted for us and how it affects how we navigate wisdom as Christians. Now, there's very little I will say of you should do this. And when I do, know it's my opinion based on just my years of experience in ministry and so on. Um, but it might not be the best advice for everyone. Wisdom and how to navigate is going to look different for everyone because there's also different icebergs and different things that can lead us to ruin for each person. Um, But I will say uh, that you can navigate all these different ways, uh, but here's the pros and cons, I might say, or be careful of this. Here's what this can lead to. And the decision is largely up to you on how you are going to navigate dating and sex and relationships in a godly way. So we're also going to read from 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul gives the Corinthian church godly wisdom on how to navigate singleness and marriage. He says this about singleness, and uh, we read part of this last week as well. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And later on, he says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now when Paul says he wishes all would be like him, he's referring to being single. He was either married uh, and a widower or was never married at all. But the idea here is that getting married is a good thing. Hear me on that. It's a good thing. And yet, being single is even better. They can both be good things at the same time. And this can be a difficult idea for our culture and likely was even in Paul's time. We put sex up on a pedestal as this ultimate thing. Um, and yet, you know, I, I must admit, it is one of our, our most core, innate, basic desires. We hear from the world that to be a man, you have to be sexually desirable in certain ways, often with your body, status, achievements, and so on. And to be a woman, you have to be sexually desirable, but also selective, and yet empowered, and have a certain body type, but not like that. It can be very confusing. The single person who is content in their singleness isn't concerned with these things I just mentioned. As a married man, I have the advantage in that I can help and counsel others who are married. And yet Paul notes that my interests are divided between my household and the Lord. And it's not a bad thing, but it's not as good in terms of serving the Lord in most cases as being single. And This is going to be incredibly difficult to hear. I know I hated hearing this when I was single, but your singleness is a gift for the time being. Someday you will hopefully have a wonderful, thriving marriage and sex life. Yet you'll also long for the days when you are independent and much more carefree. Now right now, many of you are enjoying that independence and yet also pining and pleading with God as to when the man or woman of your dreams will come into your life. That's why I used to hate when pastors said that and I may have made some promise to myself that I never would, and yet I have some perspective now having been married. So take advantage of it. The woman I dated before I met Gracie, Um, She was still in college while we dated, um, while I had recently graduated. She wanted to go study abroad, but people asked her, well, what about your boyfriend? How does he feel about that? And so here's the thing I say to those of you um, who are maybe single or maybe in a similar situation, go study abroad. Go on that missions trip or take a gap year before someone expects you to yield some of that freedom to them. Now, when I heard that she wanted to go, I actually encouraged her and said, don't let our relationship tie you down right now. We can date long distance and I'll be here when you get back. Now you have more spare time in this life stage than you will have for many, many years. Use it well and use it to serve. If you don't that's fine but you may regret not doing what you could with your independence or you may not. Now you maybe don't uh, feel a call to be single your whole life. That, that's not for everyone uh, to be single their whole life. So how do you go from single to dating is often the question I get. So here's what I would say, and this is I think gonna be a very simple but difficult teaching. Go up to that person that you've had a crush on forever, or you have a crush on right now, or whatever, and ask them on a date. I'm convinced this is the best way to navigate dating and relationships. Though it's not perfect, um, it's to be clear and direct about your feelings, intentions and expectations once again i'm not saying this is like a perfect foolproof plan or that nothing will ever go wrong with this but it's usually better uh, or the best way to go about things is be clear and direct about your feelings intentions and expectations so are you stuck in the friend zone here's the solution tell them how you feel or maybe you've just uh, girlfriend or boyfriend zoned them, meaning that you are sort of digging yourself deeper and deeper into a hole, since they are probably enjoying and growing in that friendship, but you are probably only pursuing that friendship as a means to date them, meaning you have only put them in this box of being boyfriend or girlfriend worthy. You don't really wanna be their friend, chances are, you just wanna be their boyfriend or girlfriend and and being their friend is just kind of a stepping stone Uh, for you to do that. And I think that is actually worse than friend zoning someone. Now, are you in a hot uh, and cold relationship where they like you, but then you go to friends and then it goes back again, but then you're friends and and maybe you're serious or maybe you're not, or maybe you're dating? Here's the thing. If If you're in a hot and cold relationship like that, just tell them how you feel and count the cost. Maybe you don't want to tell them how you feel because the possibility of not having that friend zone or hot cold relationship is worse than what you've got now. Or maybe you're not sure what to say to that person you went on two dates with or you know that you don't want to date anymore tell them how you feel in a kind way learn to say no and take no for an answer on the receiving end it could go wrong but i think it's generally the nicest and best way to go about things or you could ghost them there's possibilities and consequences with that too or maybe you're really close with your uh more than a friend, as some people call them, and you're basically going out on dates with them, but not addressing the elephant in the room that all your friends are bugging you about, that, oh, you guys like each other, we know, whatever it might be, ask them about it. Like that person, that more than a friend, or whatever you call it, ask them about it. Tell them how you feel. Now, I regret so much being in these kinds of relationships, or I've heard a pastor refer to them as situationships, Uh, Because you, I guess, just always happen to be in the same situations together where you always end up sitting together. You always end up walking together and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out that there were women who I let on that that thought that I liked them when it turns out I just saw them as a friend. And there were women I got mad at for leading me on. And I wish I had just asked them out earlier or had just talked to them about it beforehand or at some earlier point. I'm convinced that dating can be a good thing and can be done well as Christians. Now, some Christians don't think so, and prefer something called courting. Now, I don't know if this is big anymore, but it was huge back in the day. Uh, courting is something that largely came with the I Kissed Dating Goodbye movement. If you haven't heard of that book, you know, it, good for you. Uh, but it was something that I was very, uh, that my church was very marinated in. Um, it's where you don't really date, but you spend time in groups. So instead of going out for coffee, you have dinner with their parents, or maybe you get some quote-unquote alone time sitting on their front porch together. Um, I had a friend who went out on a date with this girl uh, from church, and her dad had a chaperone go with them. And I think we were like 21 at the time, so I remember like having trouble not laughing and just thinking it was ridiculous that two 21-year-olds need a chaperone for a first date. Now, I'm convinced it doesn't really help guard one's heart or prevent sex for marriage. Uh, but here's the thing. If that's really what your parents want for you, then you need to make the decision for yourself if you are going to oppose that and live with the consequences or if you are going to go along with it. And if that's a situation you encounter with someone, then you need to count the cost of it. You are welcome to embrace the I-kiss-dating-goodbye purity culture. It's kind of like going the long, convoluted way around all the icebergs. Um, and I will say you are probably less likely you know, to some extent to fall into sin. However, you can run aground in terms of having a toxic uh, conditioning that any bodily pleasure with your spouse is wrong. I've seen it happen, but I've also seen couples thrive after. It's something to be mindful of. Now, you're welcome to reject my advice of being clear, upfront, and direct. If you want to hope that this person you know, that you like or you're giving signals to knows your secret code and the hints you're dropping or you're asking this friend if they like you or you know, you're doing this dance around your feelings, go ahead. It may save you heartbreak and outright rejection, unlike my plan, but you may end up having missed signals and wish you were more direct or regret uh, not being as clear. Now, you have to weigh the pros and cons of all that yourself. Uh, Guys often worry whether dating or courting, you know, whatever it might be. Guys often um, come to me and ask, well, what if she rejects me? To which I say, then she rejects you. You will be okay. Uh, I've been rejected plenty of times and guess what? It doesn't really matter all these years later because I hardly ever see or interact with any of those girls anyway. And the ones that I do, it's usually fine. Now you might say, but she's my friend and I don't want to ruin the friendship. My opinion: Just ask her out. If it ruins a friendship, get over it. Make new friends. If you don't, you may regret it and think that and uh, think of them as the one that got away. I think it's better to just close the chapter or open it if they say yes. Now, something sad I hear about from time to time are the guys who pine away for someone and never tell them how they feel. Uh, maybe you, maybe they've been in a relationship, or you've never been able to get a chance while they're single. Um, Here's the thing, I would say not to confess your undying love to someone in a relationship. Or maybe you should, just to get it off your chest and move on. Um, I, there, you know, I already had mentioned it, it's better to tell someone how you feel, and who knows, maybe they'll been wanting you to say it forever, or maybe you'll ruin that relationship forever, and you'll move on and be perfectly happy, because you won't think, what if, for the rest of your life. Um, now, most of the time, it's not a great idea to do that though, um, but count the cost of whatever you do. Don't do it right before someone's wedding though. I would never recommend that. Um, and that's usually the horror stories that I hear as someone who's done that for years and it's like, why have you kept this to yourself when you know it's not a good idea? So all this advice goes to our ladies as well. So many women tell their guy friends to just ask the girl out and who cares if you get rejected? Well, most women I've met probably care about getting rejected. Uh, men have been conditioned to get rejected, that the girl they like is way out of their league. Most women uh, in church have probably probably been conditioned in some way that they are a prize worth chasing after, which is pretty good. But you shouldn't pursue the boys, you're, you're, you might be told. They should pursue you. Now, I've heard about women getting rejected and broken up with who have a very difficult time because they are used to this idea that men are supposed to want them. And sometimes I hear about women rejecting a guy they really like so he'll keep pursuing her. When he doesn't, the woman often gets confused. And hopefully it's because he doesn't realize you're playing some game or doing this whole dance and that he actually learned to take no for an answer rather than what in my opinion could end up being a creep. Now all this can be solved, as I said, by telling people how you feel. All this can be solved by telling people how you feel. You know that guy you keep going on casual friend dates with, but all your friends keep asking when you're going to officially start dating or who you like, but maybe doesn't seem to get all your hints. Tell him, I really like getting to spend time with you, but I want to know where you see us going. If you see me as a friend, or if this is something more, something romantic, whatever it might be. Maybe even tell him I like you and I want to be more intentional about dating each other. If that's the way you feel, of course. And men, Go up to that girl and say, I like you and want to take you out on a date sometime. Maybe even specify the day and time and activity. That way there's no ambiguity if this is a date or not. I said those exact words to my wife uh, when we were first casually dating. We had our first sort of casual surf date. The feeling of her saying yes and getting excited made all those Pax rejections more than worth it. She also drove away stoked out of her mind, blasting her favorite song but Steve, you may say, how do I know she likes me back? Uh, I don't wanna be a creep and wanna know for sure that she'll say yes. And well, it's a good thing that you don't wanna be a creep uh, if you ask clearly and directly, and she responds clearly and directly with no, you just leave her alone, instead of sending her passive aggressive or threatening texts, and you should be fine. There is no 100% surefire way, at least none that I know of, or I don't think anyone knows of, there's no 100% surefire way to get a yes. Uh, once my friends in college told me I should ask this girl out who i had been spending a lot of time with and had one of those kind of situationships with, I guess. And apparently uh, we were both super flirtatious, according to you know, all our friends. And they said every girl in the program knew she had a crush on me and I had to ask her out already. So I did. And she said no. And they were shocked. And here's the thing. I, I don't know the exact reason why. But maybe, you know, what I've heard as well is that sometimes people like the thought of dating someone, but when the fantasy becomes a reality, reality can be disappointing when compared to the fantasy. So don't get discouraged if it seems foolproof that they'll go out with you and you still get rejected or something like that. Now some guys put out materials on basically how to scam and trick and nag women into going out with you. It usually doesn't work and it's creepy and detrimental to dating culture. It's essentially a win for the man and a loss for the woman because she gets fooled into dating some dingus who, doesn't pick, uh, who listens to pickup line gurus. Now the goal in dating should always be a win-win. It's men becoming the men women want and women becoming the women that men want. For men and women, if you want to elevate your chances, uh, maybe here's some things you can be working on. You don't have to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, but it's or you know, a Victoria's Secret model or something like that, but it's good to work on your health and fitness. You don't have to be uber rich, but having a job uh, and or like a career path is a good thing. You don't have to look like, you know, once again, a GQ model or a Victoria's Secret model, but a decent wardrobe of well-fitted adult clothes uh, and being decently groomed can go a long way. Here's the thing. Don't play games. Uh, You also don't have to lay aside all your hopes and dreams for the first person that makes you feel loved. Be secure in yourself. Self-confidence can go a long way. So hopefully, maybe now you're at the point where they say yes. Okay, you finally took that advice, you told me how you feel, and now you're on a date. So I was taught something slightly detrimental at my home church. I was told uh, that I should ask her out, pick her up in my car, bring flowers, wear a suit, knock on the door, shake her dad's hand, open her doors, pull out her chairs, go to a real restaurant, you know, all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it creates an unrealistic expectation. What if I don't have a car? Am I less of a man for taking the bus or walking? What if I don't have money for a sit-down restaurant? Or what if we just met and she doesn't feel comfortable with a relative stranger seeing where she lives? Men especially. You need to get it through your thick skulls that women have things to worry about you've rarely thought about. Most women experience violence at the hands of men they know, often ones they know well. Most women have probably heard horror stories uh, or have maybe even had a stalker or something like that. And you might think, but I'm a nice guy, and I believe you. But why should she? If she gives you a shot and it turns out you're a creep, it could be life-threatening for her. So learn to take no for an answer and consider her safety. It's a good idea to meet at a neutral location. It's also fine to do low-key stuff, like a coffee day or something on your college campus where there are plenty of witnesses. If she really wants uh, all that other stuff I mentioned, that's fine. It's also fine, ladies, if you don't want that for your safety. Even paying for a meal might not be the most gentlemanly gentlemanly thing to do. Some men expect something in return for paying for a meal, usually something sexual. So if she wants to split the bill, let her. If she's fine with you paying, go for it. You're no less of a man or a woman uh, for doing so. Now Some guys get this idea in their head, and women can as well, um, that women just want a nice guy or that guys just want a nice girl. Avoid the nice guy and nice girl stuff like the plague flee from it. I can't stress this enough. This is very important. People are not vending machines that you put nice tokens into and then they dispense love or sex in return. Don't do generous or nice things expecting something physical or some kind of commitment in return. The same goes for women as well. Just because you're super Christian and nice and modest doesn't mean all those women don't deserve the men they have and somehow you do. So maybe date one goes great. You avoid all the pitfalls i just mentioned and hormones and pheromones are swirling so you go on date number two three maybe even date number four it is my opinion that around date three or four or one to one and a half months into dating you should have another intentional direct conversation where you say i really like you and i want to keep seeing you like this i wanted to be clear that our relationship uh, I, I see our relationship potentially going somewhere and I didn't want to leave you in the dark about how I see or define our relationship. I see you as my boyfriend or girlfriend. Now maybe they feel the exact same way and everything goes smooth. Maybe they don't feel that way and they need more time. It's up to you to figure out where to go from there. Maybe they don't feel that way and just like non-committed dating or whatever it might be, um, you need to be clear with each other what you expect and want and see if those things line up. And if And you don't have to do it the way I described or in that timeline. That's just what I've seen work, but it's different and works. And if it works for you, go for it. Now everyone's gonna be different. Gracie and I weren't totally aligned on all our timelines. Uh, Often I was the one who was quicker with the DTR and engagement and stuff like that. DTR being define the relationship talk. She needed more time. And I had to consider whether I was willing to be patient uh, with her um, and her timeline and hers with mine. Now, don't get bogged down too much with the rules of dating um, and all that stuff. So at this point, we're going to leave off uh, sort of on this DTR conversation. Next week, we're going to look at conversations to have when you're sort of past the DTR and looking towards engagement and marriage. But here's the big things as as we finish this week. Be clear and direct. Tell people how you feel. Learn to say yes or say no and to take no for an answer and people are not vending machines that you put nice tokens into who then dispense sex or affection in return. And also remember that singleness is a good thing. You'll never be 100% ready for dating or marriage or kids, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go for it. You're worth someone, although not everyone's, time and attention. Your safety matters and love is a feeling uh, helpful as a relationship's foundation and a choice that you and I have to make daily.